Welcome to Eyes on Brand. I'm Philip Giuliano, one of the founding partners of Brand Active. When faced with a brand change due to merger, acquisition, a shift in brand strategy, or any other reason, this is the podcast for you. Each episode will be packed full of fun conversations and actionable ideas from global brand and agency leaders about brand implementation, insights, and innovation. When all eyes are on you, our eyes are on your brand. Let's get into it. This is our inaugural podcast, and I'm actually joined by my two partners, Robin Budish and James Byrne. This particular episode is for other consulting businesses, agencies, anyone looking to gain insights from a, a company that has you know, been around for 25 years now and, and made this work and how to build a successful business. This is for our employees, for our clients, for anyone that we're grateful to for the role that they've played in our journey, and for anyone that wants to understand more about us as they consider joining us on this lovely ride. For context, Brand Active is a brand implementation consulting company. We fill a niche that is not in the brand strategy or creative design space, but more in the financial analysis, the planning, and the logistics of making rebrand implementation work. Um, and that's a niche that we focused on for, for nearly 25 years. But let me take a moment to have James and Robin introduce themselves by saying that here we are 25 years later, one out of five businesses fails in the first year and nearly seven out of 10 um, don't make it to year 10. And we are very fortunate to be celebrating 25 years of existence. So James, Robin, do you want to take a minute to introduce yourselves, your background and why Brand Active and start with James? Sure, I'm happy to go ahead. I'm James Byrne, originally from the UK, as some may be able to detect from my voice. And Robin and I met in Toronto uh, just over 25 years ago in the design and branding space. Uh, and that's where we identified this opportunity for the brand implementation aspect of the rebranding process. And it's amazing how time flies when you're having fun, fun has been at the center of our core values um, since that time. And I have to say, we've become, become quite good at it over the 25-year period. Robin, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Robin Budish, and James, as usual, took all the good stuff. So there's nothing left at all for me to say about how we how we began. I come from a traditional marketing background uh, in consumer packaged goods marketing. And as James mentioned, we met when we were both partners at one of Canada's leading branding agencies. And I was a strategy partner there. And when we were there, James and I, there was a internal strategy discussion where we identified that there felt like there was something at the end of the rebranding process that was missing. And coincidentally, a few weeks later, one of our other partners had traveled across the pond to Holland and met an organization there who was doing Something like what we do today, not exactly, but similar in terms of focusing on how you get the brand into the market once it's actually designed and the brand strategy is all done and the logo and the name are are locked up. 
So he came back and told James and I about it. And we said, that's it. That's the part that's missing in that part of the rebranding process. And uh, that's how it all began. Awesome. And this being a very unique podcast where I'll be participating and not just facilitating, I suppose I should share that uh, I joined from a very non-traditional marketing background. My background was actually uh, engineering and then mergers and acquisitions management consulting for a while. And then I did spend two years at a branding agency. Um, and very similarly to, to James and Robin, while I was there, saw saw this niche. And when I got the call from James and Robin to join Brand Active 17 years ago, I was very excited, having just completed a white paper on the topic for uh, the agency that I was working with. So this felt like a very, a very natural fit for me. But I am curious, James and Robin, you particularly, you know, you, you mentioned when you started Brand Active that you, you had a need within the agency that you were with. Partner went and researched this. Why was this so attractive to you as a niche that existed and a gap that needed to be filled? When we were doing our work with our clients and, you know, some of the largest brands in North America, and they were going through a name change or a logo design as a result of a merger and acquisition or just a repositioning, we saw how they struggled to actually realize benefits of their rebranding in the marketplace because of all of the complexities involved with getting the brand actually into the marketplace in a way that was timely, consistent, and certainly within within budget in a cost-effective way. And, you know, not really knowing where to begin, not knowing how to create a budget. So it became obvious when we saw the offering from the Dutch people that were doing it, that this really was the answer to the issues that our clients were having. As a person who had come to the design and branding space, really from a business perspective, not from a, I'm, I was not a marketing professional in any way, I found it remarkable to see such an established practice area of design and branding taking place, and that there in fact was no support, no specialized agency or consulting type support for the full implementation process at that time in the North American marketplace. And it seemed extraordinary. So much money was getting spent by so many organizations in the process of rebranding and that they were entirely left to do this on their own without any guidance by its very nature rebranding you know, is normally only happening once every the rule of thumb is if there isn't a special reason, it's going to happen every 10 or 20 years. So organizations don't have people generally, you know, who are experienced in, in the process. So they're reinventing the wheel every time. And the opportunity to develop a special practice area that could offer guidance, value, efficiencies, strategy, and then the support through the process of, of actually implementing seemed like such an obvious thing to do. It was remarkable that it wasn't there. From a business point of view, when something isn't there, you always wonder whether, in fact, there is a market for it. And maybe the reason (laughs) there's nobody there is because actually nobody wants it. But we had seen some success with our colleagues in Holland. So we decided to have a go. And that's what we did. And we started uh, work with one client in Canada, And I think we've proven over the last 25 years that, in fact, 
there was a need and there continues to be a need and a, and a growing one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think it's important just again, for context, as we're going through this, that when we started this, and I'm going to ask you a question about starting this um, in a second, but I think when you were starting this and I joined, <laughs> um, it's a better way of phrasing that, that implementation as our clients understood it, and still many understand it today, right, is advertising, right, and marketing collateral and websites and social media and, you know, all of those more tangible creative design marketing sorts of outlets, right, you know. It's more. It's merged more for our clients into you know the employee engagement element as that's become more important, or you know customer engagement and customer experience. But you know when you start thinking about the intersection of facilities and you know product and packaging and import and export and legal and you know HR and you know all of these other areas, you can see why unless you've actually gone through this, um, this becomes something that becomes massive if you do it well and you do it right. And you could also stay myopic on the marketing side of things if you chose, right? You're just going to have no transparency or visibility or control over what happens in those other operational areas um, downstream, which is so much more important today than it even was 25 years ago. So just throwing that out there. I am curious though, when you started 25 years ago, right? What, what did it take I love to say that we've been on this journey for 17 years together, but the company did exist eight years without me um, here. So um, when you started eight nothing years without ago, you. Before that. <laughs> Agree. But when you did, you made it eight years. So what did it take to do that? Right? How did you push through that eight-year period to make that happen? A lot of tenacity and, you know, like, like any entrepreneur starting out, because that, um, what happened is that James and I separated from uh, our colleagues at the branding agency and, and took Brand Active on our own. So we took a, a big leap into the unknown and a lot of tenacity, a, lo- a lot of talking, a lot of networking, a lot of, you know, one of the things that, that we found very quickly is that while there were some similarities with what the Dutch were offering to what we could offer, uh, Holland, you know, you can drive from one end of Holland in a day. At the time when we started, we were focusing on the Canadian market. And for anybody who doesn't know, Canada is the same landmass as the United States. So clearly you can't drive from one end to the other in, the, in a day. And they were a country of 13 million people. So they were more hands-on than we could be. And so really, we had to also on the fly, uh, really evolve the offering to fit the needs of the Canadian market and, and ultimately the North American market, which we found to really be more focused on how do we do this? What are the options for doing it? What are the financial implications? How can we be more cost effective? How do you sell it to the board? So more of a consultative approach, but certainly still understanding the at the grassroots what it took to get things done. So it actually was a great opportunity for us to build on our more strategic backgrounds, but benefit from all of the hands-on knowledge that the, the Dutch were able to help us with to set our clients up for success. What is the value that you saw? Why did people buy us, right, for the first eight years that you did this, 10 years, let's say, because, you know, there was a period where that was still evolving as we were becoming more of a management consulting practice as opposed to more of a, you know, project management-based um, centric company, so... 
I think that the core proposition was as compelling then as it is now, which, from my point of view, is why, as a client, you know, said to one of his colleagues as I was pitching them many years ago, you know, why would you why would you do this without them? Why would you want to enter into an implementation? It's highly complex. There's usually a lot of money involved, a lot more money than you're investing in the just the the new identity and or name. It, enormously important to the organization. Why would you not want people who are experienced at the table to help guide you? And it's not a question of us doing the work, you know, all the work for the clients. It's not us or the client. It's about us helping the clients doing the right things in the right way at the right time. We really were able to demonstrate, and and you ask what it took at the beginning. What it took at the beginning was really an orientation that every time we came to the table that we were adding some value. And the value really was around understanding, helping them you know, look at the complexity of what was in front of them, making sense of it, you know, creating a, you know, an uh, estimate for them to take to the board that they could have confidence in that they could deliver, having them have timeframes that they could deliver on helping them organi- organize their right people. So, you know, as James said, we're not there to take the place of their internal teams who are so capable. You know, we're there really to add value in terms of bringing expertise and structure and monitoring and reporting in a way that really builds on the internal expertise to make sure that they're successful and what they've committed to their senior leadership team or the board, or in some in some cases, it's even the market, right? We have situations where there's an M&A and, you know, there's questions around what the synergies are and, you know, it's very, very high profile. And so it's important that whoever it is that is, you know, the executive sponsor of the rebranding, that they're really able to deliver in a way that backs up whatever's been said to the street. Because, you know, nothing is worse than, you know, having a major press conference and, you know, whatever it was that had been committed in terms of timing, you know, the new sign isn't available. Like, it seems like a small thing, but these things matter when when things are, have a lot of high visibility. So we make sure that those points, we understand what those points are, what the realities are for success. Um, when it comes to launching a rebrand as part of an M&A, we're always looking at the larger picture. You know, where does rebranding fit in to the commercial objectives of the organization to, you know, sometimes there's even deal requirements. It's it's common. We do a lot of work, as you know, in financial services. And so there's often stipulations that are either regulatory, sometimes there's stipulations that there cannot be um, any more legacy logos uh, after a certain date. Like getting it wrong from a rebranding standpoint can often actually have financial penalties dependent upon the deal, or it can have regulatory issues. So, and that's not just with respect to profile things like I mentioned on signs. It has to do with products and packaging that cross borders. And all of that is really what it's all about. There's so much time, um, and correctly so, spent on brand strategy in rebranding generally. But what we saw was that nobody was thinking about implementation strategy and the implications on a project from a cost and time and success point of view about having a smart strategy. And this is part of the experience that we bring that 
is is almost never resident within a client organization because they're not doing this all the time, is to really take a high-level look with experience and be able to say, what is the right strategy for your business and branding objectives? Because if you, again and again, what we would see when brought into clients late in the day is they've launched into this idea of implementing the brand without, in fact, having a strategy for the implementation at all. And then you're not hitting expectations because expectations haven't been managed against the strategy because it was never established. Yeah, I was I was just gonna I was just gonna go in a similar direction, James. I mean, it's no it's no secret that I like the more risky stuff, and I think it's one of the things that's made this partnership um, work so well. But you know, I like the variables, right? And the scenario planning to me, um, particularly you know on the front end of business development um, and client relationship development, is such a valuable aspect of what we do because we we do get right. Hey, you've been around for twenty five years. You've done five hundred of these programs. Just tell me what my implementation is going to cost me, right? I'm a $25 billion company. I have 100 locations. I have 20,000 employees. How difficult can it be? And well, what are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Are you going to use internal resources? Are you going to use external resources? What is that sign that you say you have on the front of the building? Is that a $20,000 sign or is it a $2,000 sign? Because the quality matters and the construction matters. And if you multiply that by 100, then the variability, like, you know, you start getting into all of these things that people don't consider, right? Well, are you changing your name? And if so, are you taking the time to, you know, consolidate legal entities? And if you're doing that, then that affects timing, right? So all of these things that people don't really think about that we've done so many of these and it is a frustrating answer to give to people to say, listen, until we go through all of the variability that exists for you and create scenarios that you can then align people around, you don't have a number. You have a number based on what other people have done, based on where they are in the market, based on what they've tried to do from a brand perspective. And that's not what a brand strategy or an implementation strategy is. Phil, just to build on that, you know, one of the most critical things is around management of expectations. And if you don't have that level of detail, then you can't possibly manage the expectations again, you know, often at the board level, um, but certainly at the, you know, at the most senior levels in the organization of what it's going to look like, how long it's going to take, who's going to be involved and what it's going to cost. And, and even down to, you know, CapEx, OpEx splits, you know, all, all those um, really important uh, components that build confidence of the board or the senior leadership team that this is going to be done properly. And, you know, often, you know, I had one client back when where, you know, there was a lot of, it was a merger and there was a lot of sensitivity uh, from the union level and, and a strike pending. And they needed some smart solutions about how they were going to roll out the brand in a way that they wouldn't find themselves paying twice for the same thing, but at the same time would roll it out in a way that wouldn't be antagonistic given the union negotiations. Thanks for joining us today for our very first episode of Eyes on Brand. In our next episode, Robin and James will join me again to discuss our unique philosophy on growing organizational culture and how you might apply these to your own organization. Be sure to subscribe to Eyes on Brand wherever you listen to podcasts to catch exciting future conversations with global brand and agency leaders about brand implementation, insights, and innovation. Check out the show notes for links to more insightful resources on our website. And if you have any thoughts or questions, always feel free to reach out to me, Philip Giuliano, or our head of business development, Nancy Adzentovich, via our email links in the show notes. 
Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, do great things. Thank you.